Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I have a few announcements for you that I'd like to share as Last Monday, we did not have our prayer time that I have at 12 o'clock on Mondays because of uh, what, who I call Mama Faye. Miss Faye Moeller passed away in her funeral. This Monday, we have Jean Gerald's funeral, and so my prayer time at 12 o'clock will not happen on this Monday as well. Uh, so with that being said, Miss Jean Gerald's uh, arrangements are this Monday at, from 10 to 11 is visitation, and then celebration of life is at 11 o'clock here uh, Monday morning. have some other announcements that I'd like to share with you. We've been sharing that on March 17th, we have Chosen Road coming here, um, and they're going to be leading us in worship that morning, and then that evening they're going to do a, uh, a night of worship, and it is a free, there's no charge to come and be a part. Invite all your friends. The only thing that we will do is take up a love offering during that time. Chosen Road coming from West Virginia, super excited. Um, as their hearts are just in tune with the Lord. I just love spending time with them and hearing what God's doing in their life. We also have disaster relief training, uh, February 15th through the 17th at Tillman's Corner Baptist Church. You can sign up at the Go table. That's my right, your left in the lobby. We'll send you all the information. You can train for chaplaincy, chainsaw, cleanup recovery, administration, mass feeding, and laundry shower All of this is for us to be prepared that if there is a disaster that takes place in one of our uh, surrounding states, they'll send the Alabama Baptist disaster relief team there, be first on the ground to help out. They're actually there oftentimes at the same time or even a little bit before FEMA and all of them get there because of their... Uh, how well they've been trained. And so it's an opportunity in the midst of disaster to share the gospel, the truth uh, with those there. We also are praying that you would uh, encourage our team that's going to South Asia by writing them a encouragement note. Our South Asia team leaves in two weeks and they'll be uh, in South Asia for about 10 days. Uh, if you would like to send a, a note of encouragement to them while they're on the field, there's a mailbox at the go table and you can fill that out. This is your way of being a part of the trip, the team that's going to South Asia. And so you can pick up a, a card in the back. It shows all the people that are going, and then you can write names, and you can uh, write, their, write cards to them specifically. Also, we have a team going to Zambia over spring break. Uh, with our partnership in Zambia, you can pick this up at the Go table, and you can write them encouragement uh, cards. I'm super excited that we have uh, a whole lot of students and college students that are going Uh, to work in Zambia over spring break. And so we need to be praying for them and encourage them as well. Last thing I want you to be aware of is that we have our senior adult luncheon on February 22nd. I look for it here. It will be catered by Meat Boss. um, And you can bring a dessert if you would like to. You can sign up at the lobby, um, in the lobby, at the events table. We'd love to know that you're coming so that we can make sure that we purchase the right amount. Otherwise, Randy will have to pray over it and hope that it multiplies. Um, And so sign up. Let us know you're coming. We'd love for you to be a part. And I will just tell you the reason, oftentimes our senior adult lunch and we go somewhere to a restaurant, right? And we have, we recognize that this past luncheon where we had it here, the opportunity that y'all had to talk with everybody and spend time around the table and not having to wait for you know, checks to come and all of this. And it was just a wonderful time of fellowship. So we're going to try that again in February. We're going to have Meat Boss here um, and so that we can have that time of fellowship together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to begin this. Well, actually, let me just say this. Brother Aaron is here today, though we thought he was not going to be here. Um, You know, Heidi is uh, pregnant and she will be giving birth any moment, any day. And so if you see him leave the the platform while we're singing, just pray for Heidi um, and for for Aaron. Um, But I just want you to know, be praying for them. Um, This probably will take place this week. And so, but Aaron's here with us and uh, Josh Trimble is going to be leading us today uh, in worship as Brother Aaron will be here as well. We're so excited and we're praying for y'all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. Uh, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come here together and worship. As we mentioned last week, that we corporately worship together on Wednesdays and Sundays. 
but we're called to worship every day. And Father, we worship you, the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is none like you. As Isaiah said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, you are the Lord God, and there is no other. As you said to Moses, I am who I am. And Father, today, may we just be overwhelmed by who you are. And may we bring glory and honor and praise to you, the only one who is worthy of all praise and glory. Father, we love you. May our hearts be in tune to you today and worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I do have my phone on me, so if you see me rush off the platform, you'll know why. No, uh, we, I just wanted to announce to you today that Josh Trimble, who's been working with us for uh, almost four years now, I mean, it's been a long time since he was a freshman in college, uh, this spring and summer, he's going to be our official music ministry intern. Uh, and so today he is going to lead us in worship. I'm so excited for that. Y'all, uh, y'all give him a clap as we begin in worship today. Today we're here to worship in spirit and in truth. Why don't you stand, greet someone around you as we begin to sing here at Luke 418 Fellowship.
Amen. Amen. Praise God that we serve a God who sent his son to be not only that sacrificial lamb, but at the same time, the conquering lion who came not as the Pharisees saw to break the them of the ruler of the Romans, but to conquer hell, death, and the graves that we, we may have life. And what a way to praise him, all creatures of our God and King. Creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him! Hallelujah! Thou burning sun with golden beam, Thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh. Praise God. Genesis 2 says, Now no shrub of the land was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet been sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist was used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the life and man became a living being praise God that he formed us out of nothing out of dust that he gave us life through his breath in our lungs and we as we just sang are living creatures who are to praise him for who he is and that same life he has given to us and we're going to sing about that life that he has given us this morning you give life you are love you bring light to the dark. 
says right here that all hearts will cry and all bones will sing great are you Lord do you believe that this morning he is great all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great. Hey! 
Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us. God, that we were able to come to worship you through song. God, to worship you through the reading of your, your word. God, that we may gain more knowledge of you. God, not in a sense of pridefulness, but God, in a sense that we can love you better. God, teach us to abide in you. God, teach us to run after you. Teach us to follow you. And God, as we continue in our study of the spiritual disciplines this morning, God, I pray that we put those into action. God, not for our own selfish benefit, but for your glory. Father, let it be your name that is glorified here this morning and every day. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. On the sea, a ship was tossing to and fro. Breakers dashed on every hand, and angry winds around it blow. Well, all on board were filled with pride as the mighty billows they called upon the one who the winds and waves control. And when he reaches out his hand, he'll cease at his command. Winds and waves obey his will. When he says to them, be still. What man? They all did say that the winds and sea obey. He's the one who sailed with me. He's the master of the sea. Yes, he's the one who sailed with me. He's the master of the sea.
joy to be with you here today to open God's Word together. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to continue with the passage in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, but then we're also going to look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. So if you have your Bibles, open up. Probably you can look at 1 Timothy on the screen if you would like to open up to Matthew 28. Wow, you know, I just continue to get overwhelmed by who God is in the time of singing of corporate worship together. Josh, thank you so much for leading us today. Jasper, for singing that song. We serve an amazing God, don't we? And as we talked about last week, the spiritual discipline of worship is us getting overwhelmed by who God is that leads us to a proper response to God. Last week, we kind of walked through all these different uh, attributes of God. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I can tell you've been in school because you use words we didn't know. I said, well, I just learned them like the day before. But I'm telling you, I share with you because I get overwhelmed by who God is and it brings me to a place of just wanting to fall on my knees in worship. The last couple of weeks in seminary online, I have fallen on my knees and just cried out to God. He is so good. Today, we're going to pick up with this 
this uh, little bit of a topical series on spiritual disciplines. We've looked at the discipline of being in the Word. We've looked at the discipline of prayer. We've looked at the discipline of fasting. We've looked at the discipline of worship. And today we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of evangelism. So as we do that, I want to just begin by looking back at 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 and then kind of remind us of what the purpose of discipline is. The scripture says this, Have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for a woman. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word and your truth, Lord. I thank you for how you are leading us through this series, Lord. I pray that we would place this into our lives, that we would grow in you. Father, put me on the front row and let me hear what you're speaking today, that I may live out that which you are speaking to all of us. Holy Spirit, illuminate the pages today that we may place this into our hearts and follow in obedience. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind us that the purpose of discipline is godliness. As it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I just read to you, but godliness is profitable for all things. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, we talked about what does godliness mean, and it means that we are Christ-like, that we're growing in the removal of the flesh, and that Christ is reflecting through our lives. That's why I pray often. Lord, that I would look more like Jesus at the end of the day than at the beginning of the day. The reason is, is that as I remove, or as the Holy Spirit removes the flesh in my life, the more that Christ shines through my life. I've shared with you a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. Brother Ed often said that the reason that he knew that he was born again, the reason that he knew that he was saved, was because the life that he reflected, the life that he lived, was not one that he could do in his own power or his own strength. It was a reflection of Christ in his life. And Brother Fred would always say that Brother Ed was the most godliest person on staff at Luke 418 Fellowship. And here he's saying, Brother Ed was saying that when you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, Christ will be reflected through your life. As the moon reflects the sun, we are to reflect Christ in our lives. Now, I shared with you when we talked about this idea of the purpose of godliness, I said that if you don't have a goal, then you'll hit it every time, right? If you don't have a target, you'll hit it every time. But the reality of it is, is that if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a target, you're going to be frustrated. Anybody ever been frustrated before? And then they realize later, well, I was shooting at at nothing. I didn't know what I was shooting at, but I hit it every time. The reality, though, is that we must have a goal. That goal is godliness. Now, as I shared with you, that oftentimes when we think of godliness, we think of perfection. If our goal is perfection, how many of you have hit it? None of us. Which is why I shared with you, the Spirit of the Lord put on my heart one day, that our goal is growth. The standard is perfection. Let me just say it again. The goal is growth. The standard is perfection. If we're growing in Christ, if we're growing in in disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness, then we're hitting the goal, but the perfection is that standard that we're running towards. Now, this is important because if all you do is say, Oh, I've got to be perfect, I've got to be perfect, and if I'm not perfect, I've failed. We're all going to be walking around feeling like we failed. But what we want to see is that continual growth in the Lord. We're all a work under construction, as I've shared with you. also told you that there was three main reasons why we long for discipline in our life. I shared with you the main reasons because of what Jesus has done for us. Because we've been set free. Because our sins have been forgiven. Because Christ went to the cross and died. And praise God, rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Why would we not want to give our life to Him? The other reason that we discipline ourselves, and this is important as we get to this idea of evangelism, 
is that godliness actually brings freedom. Discipline is the price of freedom. I shared with you a quote by Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys. He was the football coach that said this, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they always want it to be. The job of a coach is to get people to do what they don't want to do so that they can achieve that which they want to achieve. I also share with you the example of Miss Denise and her play in the piano. And when she plays the piano, she, we could tell her anything and she would play it by, by ear, right? And it's because she disciplined herself over time. She's free. She has the freedom to play everything on the piano because of her discipline. So I want you to hear that when we get to evangelism, as we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, we're not disciplining ourselves saying, oh, I have to do this. But we're disciplining ourselves because we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And He gives us the freedom to go and share the gospel. It gives us the freedom to walk in, in evangelizing those around. Why? Because we place God's word in our heart that we can speak the truth. Why? Because our life is being changed and people can see the truth in us. And so we must take that in understanding when we look at the discipline of evangelism. So the second thing, or the second thing today, is that understanding that, there's a, that we're called to discipline ourselves to evangelism. Now, I want to remind you again, the doing in Christ must come after the being in Christ. Let me say that again. The doing in Christ must come after the being in Christ. Ephesians, we went through that longest book in the Bible, right? That's what I was told. And chapters 1 through 3 tells us who we are in Christ. And chapters 4, 5, and 6 tells us what we're to do because of who we are in Christ Jesus. The doing always comes after the being in Christ. That's so important because otherwise you're going to hear legalism and you're going to build legalism. I have to share this. I have to say this. I have to do it this way. I have to do it that way. No, we recognize that we're in Christ Jesus and so therefore we go and do for the kingdom of God. So as we discipline ourselves for evangelism, I put three different things that I want to share today. First is the command, the command to evangelize. This is what we see in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And let's just jump back. I don't know if I gave it to you in the back, but let's just jump back to verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Now, oftentimes we jump to Matthew 28, and that's kind of what we talk, and we say the Great Commission. But I want you to hear this, that Jesus, that this is spoken and recorded in all the Gospels. In all the Gospels. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the Gospel to all creation. Luke 24, verse 46 and 47, and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. John 20, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending or I will send you. Church, do we realize that this proclamation is not just one verse in Scripture, but we see it in all the Gospels, this command, this call for us to take the Gospel to all the nations. Which is why we have partnerships in South Asia, why we have partnerships in Zambia, why we have partnerships in Alaska and New Orleans and other places within Mobile, Alabama, is to take the Gospel to all the nations. Now, when we think about taking the gospel, this command, I personally view this as two commands here. One is that we take the gospel and proclaim it through our life. We take the gospel and we proclaim it through our life. How do we do that? Matthew 5, verse 13 and verse 16. In Matthew 5, verse 13, it says, You, as a born-again believer, Jesus talking to those who are in Christ, the Beatitudes are right before this. When you're living out the Beatitudes, you're in Christ Jesus because the Spirit of God dwells within you. It says you are the salt of the earth. And then verse 16 says that you are the light. 
Let your light shine in such a way that people will see what? Your good works. We are salt and light. Those are things that are shown from our life. Let me remind you, salt is a preserving agent. Salt in a wound is not fun. It hurts. It burns. But what is it doing? It is helping. It's healing in that situation. What we must recognize is that we are called to be salt by speaking truth and love to those around us. Have you ever walked into a place before and because you're a Christian, people all of a sudden kind of quit doing what they were doing? Have you ever been on an airplane before and probably haven't told them that you were a pastor, but you know, somebody asked me, what do you do for a living? And I try really hard not to tell them. I've told you all this. I, I, I used to say that I interpret ancient documents. <laughs> but I'm trying to just... Because well, as soon as I tell them that I'm a pastor, everything changes. One of two ways. Either they don't want to talk to me anymore and they're like, oh no, what did I just say? Like, man, like my mouth was foul and here's this pastor sitting next to me and I said all this stuff and they're like the rest of the flight. Or they say, oh, a pastor sitting next to me. I need to tell them everything that's going on in my life. I need to share every bit of it and I need him. I mean, I have one-on-one counseling time with the pastor. But when I speak that I'm a pastor or when people see the changed life in you, you are salt. Because even sometimes walking into a room, people recognize that salt and they're like, whoa, okay. But we're also light and that light is, as it says, now we know the light is Christ and we're the reflection of the light of Christ. And how do we do that? By our good works. As our life is transformed and changed, we're proclaiming the gospel. When you live according to God's holy word, remember, discipline yourself in the word. When you allow the word to wash over you, when you allow the word to to begin to change you from the inside out, you're going to look different. I just did Brother S.L.'s funeral, celebration of life. Love Brother S.L. dearly. And I will not, it's funny, but it's so true, but it's also so real. Brother S.L. always told me, David, if you would have known me before I got saved, you would have said there was no hope. Well, I always thought he was kind of kidding with me, you know, until I got to talk to everybody who came for his celebration of life. And they were like, oh, if you'd have known Brother S.L. beforehand. But then somebody came up to me and said, it was because I saw the transformation in his life, I knew something was real. Something was different. I saw this man who went from just full of sin to full of of the holiness of God. A transformation in his life. People sharing with me literally that they were saved by watching the change in his life. Church, we're called to share the gospel. We're commanded by God to share that through our lives. In the change of the Holy Spirit in us as He sanctifies us. He's doing His sanctifying work in us. But we're also called to share God's truth by proclamation, by speaking. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, that's all of us. Some of y'all are like, David, this is all for you. You're supposed to be the one that shares the gospel. All of us are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may what? Let's say it together. Proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Church, we're called to proclaim and speak the truth of what has taken place in our life. People say, man, what's different about you? Let me tell you. Let me share with you. I once was blind, but now I see. Let me tell you, I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Christ has changed me from the inside out by filling me with the Holy Spirit because of His Son, Jesus, going to the cross for me. Dying on the cross and taking my sin upon Him on the cross, forgiving me as He rose, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Paul, or Peter excuse me, says that we're called to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us, called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Church, the Scripture says, how will they know if they do not hear? And how will they hear if there's not a preacher, if there's not someone sharing and proclaiming? 
I love what my dear friend and uh, brother in Christ who's in here today says that every time in the scripture that you find somebody being filled by the Spirit, guess what they do? They proclaim. They proclaim. Think about it. Pentecost. Filled by the Spirit. What does he do? He gets up and begins to proclaim the truth. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's a proclamation that takes forth. So we see that there's a command, and the command is to proclaim God's truth through our actions, but those actions are being changed by the Holy Spirit. We're also to proclaim God's truth through our tongue, by the way we speak, by the way that we give understanding of what's happened and changed in our life. So let's look at this, though. If we're to discipline ourselves in evangelism and we see the command, well, what's the power that we have to do this? Now, y'all all know that the power, um, and I switched these uh, for those in the back. I'm going uh, to number C. Uh, but the power is Acts 1.8. In Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, church, we look at this passage and we often just focus in at this moment on the Holy Spirit. We often just focus in on this, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? And how we get this idea, this, this dynamite power, which is true. That's, that's exactly how, when you look at the, the, uh, the Greek here, it's that, that dynamite power. But I want to I share something with you after last week's message. The Holy Spirit, y'all remember last week I used the word, the divine simplicity of God, which means that he has no parts, he's not, he is indivisible, he cannot be divided up. The Holy Spirit has the same essence of God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit has been spirated or breathed out from all eternity from the Father and the Son. He has the same essence. One God, as Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. We serve one God, the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So there's this doctrine that says that the Trinity has inseparable operations. Let me explain that. It says that God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are inseparable in essence and inseparable in external operations. Let me give you an understanding of that. So what that means is that when we read that the Holy Spirit will fill us and give us the power to proclaim and share the gospel, it's the work of the Trinity that's doing this, though it's speaking specifically of the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you a little bit more of an understanding biblically on this. When we think about the power that's working within us and we think about the Holy Spirit, it's also the Father and the Son who is doing this work of evangelizing in and through us. The Spirit gives us the power. But then John 6, says the Father is the one who draws people to Himself. It says no one can come to Me unless the Father who has sent Me draws Him. But then, what about that famous verse in Romans 1, 16? It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Well, what's the gospel? We see the gospel in the word of God that's spelled out through Christ. John 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the word? Jesus. Church, we see the Trinity at work in the midst of evangelism in our lives. Which means that everything I shared with you last week that was overwhelming to you, that led us to a time of just worship and praise and falling on our knees before Him, is the same power that's within you as we share the gospel with those around. Remember, God is all-powerful, omnipotent. God's all-knowing, omniscient. God's all wise, omnisapient. He's pure act, which means he has no potential because he's pure act. He has life in of himself. 
the aseity of God, which means that nothing gave him life. He had life in himself from all eternity. But here's the beauty of this church. Because God has life in and of himself, he's the unchanged changer, unmoved mover. Nobody created or composed God because he has life in and of himself. He's able to give you physical life today and he's able to give you spiritual life today. When we sing a song, this is uh, it's your breath in my lungs, we're crying out the fact that, that the God who has life in of himself and has no composer is the one who is giving me physical life today. And for those who are born again, those who have trusted and received Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God has given me spiritual life today. Church, I want you to hear that when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit that's dwelling within us, the power that, that God has given us to go forth and to be His witnesses, it is the triune God, the great I Am, the King of kings, who's all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing. Church, that should bring us to a place of not fearing in the act of evangelism. But even with that said, there's a struggle. What's the struggle that we have in evangelism? Well, I think the first thing that we struggle, and maybe it consists in all of these, is fear. Fear. What will I say? What if I say it incorrectly? I don't know if I have it all memorized just well enough to speak it. Now, let's just be real. We've all had these moments in our life, and a lot of times we've used them as justification of why we don't speak. I don't know if I can say this right. I want to give you an example in the scripture of one who probably didn't know how to say it properly. There was a lady at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus came up to her and had a dialogue. And at the end of this dialogue, in verse 25 of John 4, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he was speaking with the woman. Verse 28, it says, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out to the city and were coming to him. Skip down to verse 39 and it says this, From the city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Church, she had just met the Christ. And she ran back and said, Come see the one who knows all things. Come see the one who's offering me water that I will never thirst again. She didn't go to seminary. She hadn't been sitting in the pews or the nice chairs. She hadn't heard all the teachings and all the ways to do it this way or that way or the, the circle way or, or the Romans road or all these different things. But she just went out and said, come see the one who's changed my life. And they all came, many of them, and it said, we believe because of your testimony. But then it goes on, it says, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. He stayed two, there two more days, and many more believed because of his word. And then they were saying, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, but because we've heard for ourselves and know that this one indeed is the Savior of the world. Church, we can, I think it's the enemy that wants us to think that we have to have some perfect dissertation to share with every person. The blind man, when the Pharisees were asking, how did this happen, what did he say? All I know is I once was blind, and now I see. What about the one who uh, had an evil spirit and then he was changed? God, Jesus, drew the spirit out of him by speaking. I love that. All he has to do is say a word, right? He goes back and shares. He tells others about what has happened. Because he had an experience with the Christ. 
And church, I'm not saying that we need to belittle the study of God's word to the point that we just go say whatever. I've already told you that we need to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness in God's word. And as we discipline ourselves, we're going to feel more comfortable in speaking in evangelism. Why? Because we've allowed God's word to wash in us and, and, and come through us. As we meditate on his word, as we memorize his word. Remember, I encourage you to memorize Luke 4.18. Somebody shared with me this week, we may have to change this to John 3.16, church. I loved it. I told him I was going to say that. Church, what's another fear? I'll be rejected. Anybody ever felt that? Especially with family members? Luke 10, verse 16 tells us this. The one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. He who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Church, our command by God is to share the truth through our life and proclamation through our tongue. It's not to change people's lives. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's what God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is doing. Church, we are simply called to speak that. And if they reject what you are speaking, they are ultimately not rejecting you, but they are rejecting who? Jesus. And ultimately in rejecting Jesus, they are rejecting the one who sent Christ. So, we fear not knowing what to say. We fear being rejected, and the scripture gives us answers to both of those, but we also sometimes forget the urgency of the day. We get so wrapped up in everything that's going on in life that we miss these God-sized opportunities, these divine appointments, because we just miss the urgency. Last week I shared with you that God is just... But God is also righteous. Because God is righteous and justice, they go together. If he wasn't just, then he can't be righteous. And as I shared about him being just, I shared with you that there's two types of of justice that comes forth. The retributive justice and the remunerative justice. This remunerative justice is for those that believe and trust in Jesus. And it's because God is just and righteous that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But it's because of His retributive justice that His holiness cannot stand with the sin of the world. That's the reason why Jesus went to the cross and took our sin upon him so that we may be covered by the blood of the Lamb that we could stand and be justified before God. But those who refuse and reject the blood of Christ, the the salvation that is found in none other than Jesus, it says that there will come a day that they will stand before the judgment. And the scripture speaks very clearly of what that judgment looks like. In Matthew, I believe it's verse 25, or chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus is telling those, depart from me, those who, uh, these workers of iniquity, and he says, accursed are you into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I bring that up to you because I think that, I love this verse, not what it's saying. Obviously, it's painful. But what I love about this verse is that where was the eternal fire prepared for? It was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for us. But those who continue to walk in the way of the enemy and never receive the blood of Jesus Christ, those who follow the enemy will follow him directly to this lake of fire. It's painful. It hurts to think about. And church... God has given us this incredible opportunity to go and proclaim the truth that those who believe and trust in Jesus will be set free. But we must realize two things. One is that we don't know the day or hour that the Lord will return. When I was a kid, 
I used to get scared sometimes with evangelists who would come in and say, you may walk across the street and a bus may hit you. Or the horn may blow tonight and you may be left behind. And it scared me. Probably scared some of y'all. I want you to hear this and, and understand that for believers it shouldn't scare us. Listen, I've done several funerals in the last like seven days done them for godly people who love the Lord and gave their life to the Lord and it was a rejoicing time that they are now with Christ for all eternity though we miss them dearly for a believer we don't have to fear when we stand before the throne of God because of the blood of the lamb that's been applied to our heart but I'm here to tell you those who do not trust and believe in Jesus they will not be able to stand before the throne of God and because we don't know the day or hour, and because one in one die one day, 100%. And because we don't know the day or hour, and because James 4 says life is but a vapor, church, we must recognize the urgency of the hour to share the truth of God's word. Paul speaks of this urgency very clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and then 18 through 21. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Jumping down to verse 18, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. Look at what Paul says. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We beg you. He's given us the gospel of reconciliation to take to the world through our actions and through our tongue. We beg you that you would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior because there is a day coming that you will be before the throne of God and the only one who can stand is those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And then he says in verse 21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, as we close this spiritual discipline, let me just ask you, could it be that our biggest problem in evangelism is the lack of discipline in our life? The lack of discipline in ourselves to look for divine opportunities? The lack of discipline to remember that the triune God is doing a mighty work in and through us and that we don't have to rest on our own ability or our own strong seminary words. Could it be that we're not disciplining ourselves to be intentional in people's lives for the purpose of sharing the gospel? I want you to hear this very clearly. If you discipline yourself simply to do something without the purpose of godliness, you're creating the legalism in your life. Our purpose is for godliness. So that's two things. One is that we are walking in obedience of His command. As we hear His Word and obey His Word, we're building our house upon the foundation, the rock. But we must also recognize that we are disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness for others to also hear the gospel that they too may get saved and begin to discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness. As Paul said, what you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, share with others so that they may share with who? Others. Church, would we discipline ourselves not out of legalism, not out of I'm going to come in on Sunday morning and I'm going to be asked and I'm going to write down that I've had three conversations this week. You know, any, anything less than three just won't work. No, that's not what we're, that's not what we're about. What we're about is 
is being in God's word, being in prayer, fasting and seeking the Lord, continuing to worship him in spirit and in truth, sharing the gospel with those around for the purpose of godliness. Church, may we remember that we have the power of the triune God dwelling within us. Because he has life in himself, he can give eternal life as he's drawing those to him. Would we discipline ourselves to share with all those around that which has changed our life? And that's Jesus Christ.